Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, Mark Volk is a retired lieutenant colonel, U.S. Army, and the president of Lackawanna College. And I'm honored to say he's also my friend and he's on the phone. How are you, president and colonel? <laughs> I, I'm doing well, but, but you demoted me. Why? What? what? I am a retired full colonel. Oh, full! you're full bird. I thought you were a lieutenant colonel. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> I'll make sure we get that that straight in the future. Now, yeah, that, that, that would hurt my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But you're still president. So, you know, I mean, that's a good title, too. Exactly right. Now, uh, Colonel, I, I've been reading your Facebook post. Tell, tell the audience a little bit about your experience 17 years ago. Sure. Well, uh, I was working for headquarters department of the army, uh, and their basically tactics and operations, operations and strategy branch, and uh, was uh, what they called a division chief. So I had oversight of some major army programs, and my office was located on the third floor um, in the second ring in from the outside so e-ring outside d-ring next wing in and and happened to be uh, right in that impact zone so literally the the plane went underneath our office uh when the attack took place uh and so it, it certainly led to a an interesting series of events for us um having uh at that point been watching what was going on in the world trade center uh at my desk uh, and having some discussions, uh, people asking, you know, you think the Pentagon could be a target potentially? And, you know, of course the answer was yes, but we didn't, you know, nobody really suspected that that would happen. Wow. So, so you're, you're watching the, the towers get hit and then in the midst of that, you get hit. Right. Yeah. So we had watched, you know, I, I had, because we had, um, you know, uh, we spent a lot of time working strategy and policy for the Army. Um, all of the division chiefs had a television in their office, and so we generally would, you know, I'd have CNN sitting on there. And at the time, I, I turned it on and, and watched, uh, you know, the smoke coming out of the first tower. And then was I was talking to my wife on the phone, telling her about it when uh, I saw the second plane fly in. And so at that point, we knew that it was certainly... Uh, had suspected before that, but knew at that point that this was a, a, an attack. It wasn't just some random accident that had taken place. And so, yeah, we were we were obviously watching what was going on at that point, trying to figure out. And I had walked out to the front office, out into the E-ring where my boss was, uh, to let them know what I had seen. They were in a meeting, uh, and then had just come back down, sat in my office for a while, watching what was going on when the, when the plane struck. Now, I, I can't imagine, I mean, I, I really literally cannot imagine what the chaos was like at that moment. You know, it was certainly a shock. You know, we were knocked to the floor. There was, um, you know, you felt the impact. And, you know, I kind of equate it to if you're standing in a subway station and, and you feel the train coming in before you, you see it. Um, that was, you know, pretty much what it felt like. 
uh, in the building, and then immediately we lost power, so it got dark, and then uh, followed immediately by a huge explosion as the fuel uh, that had washed over the buildings um, ignited and detonated. And, you know, that blew all our windows in, and it, there were holes in the floor and holes in the walls and flames. Uh, but and then it was almost immediately people got up, and, you know, where I was, I yelled for people to start to evacuate. And and while there was certainly bedlam, there also seemed to be almost order in the chaos. Um, and you know, it, so it was it was certainly a day where you saw people uh, who you would never would expect to to be calm, uh, to be heroes, uh, to step in to help others. It it was just a you know. Uh, a, Awe, uh, an awe-inspiring experience, I guess. Well, now, aside from that, when 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 you got a look at at the damage and and you knew of the people who were were killed and injured, I mean that that's that's got to hit you hard. I mean, these were people that you worked with, knew, and probably you know were friends with. Most definitely, yeah. I lost friends and and colleagues, people that I worked with on a regular basis. Um, you know, nobody was untouched uh, in that building. That you know, certainly those that worked in our wedge or worked in Army staff, uh, because you know we integrated and worked with them on so many cases. My actually, my accounting technician that day uh, or during that time was supposed to have gone to a meeting that was in the conference room down on the first floor that took the initial impact. No one survived uh, in that conference room. And Pat was called by the woman who was in charge of the meeting that day and was told, Pat, don't worry about coming to the meeting. Your stuff is always good. I never worry about you, so don't come. You know, imagine the guilt that, that she went through, uh, the only one of those individuals that she worked with on a regular basis that survived. Uh, Colonel, and just, were you injured yeah. at all? I was not. No, and actually, uh, we're very fortunate uh, on our floor. There were very few uh, injuries, uh, mostly concussions and uh, and some glass-related cuts and things like that. Uh, there were two people that died on the third floor. They were out on the E-ring in the office uh, that was breached by the tail of the plane. Uh, that third floor was buckled but originally held, um, and the... the uh, ceilings above the third, fourth, and fifth were initially in place. They didn't collapse until later, uh, after the fire had begun to burn, and and after we had been out there, several of us were out there clearing offices. And unbelievable, uh, Colonel. Ha- have you been back to the Pentagon since? I mean, I mean, I, I, that's kind of traumatic itself. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, while I was there, I went back in the next morning. We uh, we began our meetings of of trying to put together. The, the Army staff again, you know, we had to continue operations. And so some people were immediately at, at work uh, that day and some uh, stood up over time. Uh, some of us ended up outside of the building in, in uh, exterior spaces, but others, they crammed into space down in the basement. So yeah, I continued to, to work there until um, I retired in 2004, well, 1 January 2004. But uh, but we were back at work immediately. Um, interesting, again, you know, I had several people in my office who worked with us who said that, you know, they could never go back in uh, based on the trauma and everything they had seen and experienced. And, and there was a, a, a tremendous amount of 
of counseling that was provided uh, for individuals. Anybody that wanted it could go out anytime. Uh, we had counselors that were made available to us on almost a you know continuous basis during the workday. And uh, and to their credit, I think it was about four months later when we moved back into new space uh, in the Pentagon and every one of my staff came came in with us. They, they all overcame those fears and, and were right there back at work. Now, now Colonel, you know, I, I specifically asked if you could do this interview at 3.30 because this is the time when uh, a lot of teachers are in the car. This is the time when a lot of the parents have picked up their kids. A lot of young people, you know, are, are, are listening to the program. W- what do you want them to know on this anniversary? of the attack on America? Sure. You know, it, it's it's interesting. I, I go in and just about every year I'll, I'll do a presentation for some classes uh, at the University of Scranton uh, focused around 9-11. And, I, and it, it strikes me how young uh, the students are today in relation to what occurred. And so a, a lot of students, younger students especially, this is a piece of history. It's it's not a memory as it's etched into into ours. And so I would say, one, you know, remember those individuals who were sacrificed that day, who gave their lives, who were injured, uh, who left behind families uh, and friends, people who, you know, today in, in some cases struggle with trying to understand why uh, things occurred as they did. And then understand that, you know, that there are still people out there who would do us harm, who look at America as a threat, you know, look at our way of life and and uh, and would do anything they could to repeat uh, what they were able to accomplish uh, on 9-11-2001. And, and that we owe it to those individuals who, who were killed, who were injured, uh, to ensure that that doesn't happen again. Now, Colonel, I want to ask if you can hold on for just a minute, because there's a couple of other things that I want to talk to you about, including the work that you still do helping helping military people with PTSD. Can you hang on for just a second? Most certainly. All right. Hold on. That's uh, Colonel Mark Volk, president Lackawanna College. Twelve minutes now before four o'clock. If you just joined us, we have been talking to Colonel Mark Volk, who is the president of Lackawanna College, retired military, uh, still serving the military, still doing everything he can for our area veterans and uh, a survivor of, of the attack on the Pentagon. Now, Colonel Volk, I understand that you are involved in this organization called Equines for Freedom. How and what is that group? So Equines for Freedom is a not-for-profit organization that provides treatment uh, for, initially we were military members, but we've now uh, branched out into first responders. Uh, We will work with family members, but uh, for those individuals who are experiencing symptoms of uh, post-traumatic stress. And we use a form of therapy that is equine assisted in that there is a horse present, you know, kind of similar to the to having um, the experiences with a therapy dog or something. So that having the animal present uh, with many individuals is a reassurance to them and helps them to overcome some of the stressors involved with dealing with the underlying issues of that post-traumatic stress. Now, I, I have, uh, you know, made a commitment to do everything I can to support that group. We've had uh, some of the people on before, but if there are military or first responders dealing with PTSD, how do they get in touch with Equines for Freedom? 
Um, certainly the easiest way is to give us a phone call. And, and I want to emphasize, Frank, that this is certainly uh, done very uh, anonymously. Uh, and also it's free of charge. So there is no charge uh, to whomever we treat. Uh, so, so I think that's one of the great benefits of this organization. But they can reach out to us by phone at 1-800-273-8255 or through our webpage uh, on, uh, at uh, equinesforfreedom.org. Okay, last question. Sure. Uh, I, I'm part of your team as uh, you know, adjunct professor at Lackawanna College. I have seen, I have seen you. I have seen Vice President Jill Murray. I have seen you change the lives of young people. Go out of your way to help people who needed an extra bit of help. You jumped in to help this student who uh, was thrown out of a school because of his sexual uh, preference. Why did you do that? And and <laughs> how's that going to work? <laughs> well, but, you know, honestly, you know, kind of the last thing I ever thought about when I was sitting there at four o'clock yesterday morning reading the article about it was that I'd be on the radio talking about it because that, that, that was not it was the farthest from my thoughts, right? Nor in the paper. So, look, we when I looked at it, his situation just harkened back to things that we've done for other people before, and it really just ties directly to our mission. You know, our mission of, of providing a high-quality education for anyone uh, who wants to better themselves or better the communities in which they serve. And so we know that there are people out there, you know, many of our students come to us with having challenged backgrounds, with, you know, facing stressors in their life, needing this education, needing an opportunity, uh, and sometimes needing a, a little bit of assistance uh, in, in order to get there. And so when I read the story, it just, you know, it, it was just something that I, we can fix or we can help this, I think. You know, there, it, we're still kind of in that process of working through, but I think we could at least offer a pathway. Uh, and, and it's not anything that we haven't done previously. Uh, we've worked with other individuals. Uh, there was one individual who, you know, it, it's very common for military members as they travel around the world uh, to take a lot of courses work because they get credit for promotions and things like that. And so they'll take these courses, but because they never attain what is normally a residency requirement for many schools, you know, a certain number of credits with them to get a degree, they never get their degree. So, you know, we had one individual locally here who had, I think about 150 credits, but no associate's degree. Couldn't get a job without the associate's degree. So we went through and looked at, at uh, you know, how we could align him against the uh, degree path. And it turned out he only need three credits from us. He took the course uh, and we granted the, the degree. And then just this past May, uh, a, a young man who I know pretty well by the name of Mark Volk Jr., uh, who had up to age 41, had worked on a lot of work at a lot of different schools, but didn't have a degree. And it finally became important to him. And so he ended up uh, taking 21 online credits uh, through Lackawanna College. And, and I handed him uh, very proudly his degree uh, at commencement this last year. Wow. So so it is something that we do. And, and it's, you know, I think it's an important thing that we do, irrespective of the reason. Uh, but I think it's a, a service that we can provide to the community. Uh, doesn't surprise me knowing you and knowing what you guys do there. Uh, Colonel, thanks for your service. Thanks for talking with us today. God bless you, sir. It was my honor. Thank you, Frank. Okay, my pleasure. Amazing. Uh
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.